Welcome to Tits and Tone, everybody. This is um, episode whatever the hell, season where, who who knows? Season two, episode 25-ish. Yeah, we're getting up there, man. We've been doing this for a couple of years now, you know? Yeah, I know. Uh, we I posted, I don't know if you and I had talked about it, but I posted the audio from the James Santiago interview. Oh, on, I did not know that. On Spotify and all the... The streaming places. So if you want to listen to that episode with he and I, it's a good one. Um, James is the man. He is. We're still trying to sort out the video. Um, <laughs> tell, tell him why you're trying to sort out the video. Because I had the camera set to slow motion and I forgot <laughs> so to change it You recorded like an hour conversation in slow motion. <laughs> yeah. So there was like th- over three hours of video. But that doesn't like, make why sense are we though. so slow? <laughs> yeah. But shouldn't you just be able to <clears throat> speed it back up to norm- the normal frame rate? Like, because you have a you- Sony... Yeah, I don't. I I just don't know what that frame rate is. I looked and I thought, I, and then I, it said, "Oh, it's this." And then I put it into Final Cut, and I I sped it up to that like multiplier, and it still wasn't right. Oh, so great. I have some friends who are way smarter than me who uh, said they could fix it. I just have to <laughs> upload this gigantic file <laughs> to, to to my drive. Shout out to uh, I play bass in the Discord chat today. Season two, episode twenty four is where we're at. I think last episode was twenty, or at least the fi- the file was twenty four. Well, this we've file we've 25. deemed we've deemed <laughs> I play bass as keeper of the the scroll. So oh. whatever they say, I think goes here. So that's that's I very think we're true. episode twenty four. Uh, by the way, shout out to all our patrons who are watching us live as we tape via the uh, Discord. If you want to join in. The Patreon link down below. Also, we're coming up on ten thousand subscribers. So, so close. Uh, yeah, help get us there. Click that subscribe button down below. Click the bell to be notified because we kind of post somewhat inconsistently over here, and we've talked about it for years. But honestly, I think that's just part of the brand of this show. It's part of our charm. Yeah, you don't know uh, when we're gonna post. We're 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 just uh, we're just busy cats. We're so busy. Speaking of busy, you were busy. I'm sure just getting high with Willie Nelson. I, I hope. <sighs> Man, yeah, I uh, I did I did do two shows uh, opening for Willie Nelson. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, because the man's 89 years old and we're still in a global pandemic, they kept him in a pretty tight bubble. So I did not right. get to meet Willie, unfortunately, uh, but I did get to go on stage with him the second night. Um, I'm not going to say I got say I got to sing with him because I kind of just stood there and mouthed the words to a gospel song that I didn't know. Um, <laughs> but Noah got to sing both nights with him properly with a mic and the whole thing, and it was great. It was, yeah. Um, yeah, honestly, the two shows were awesome. We played Columbus, Ohio, and Bethlehem, PA, which I've mm. never been to Bethlehem before, but that town is a vibe. It was yeah. really, really cool. And um, yeah, man, got to open for Willie Nelson. I mean, come on. Cool. Dude, his setup, it was so funny because Noah and Good Trouble, I mean, we're like a full band. We're basically a rock band, right? Right. And Willie Nelson's stage, first of all, they didn't sound check because when you've been doing it that long, who the hell really cares? Like, why do you need to sound check? Um, their stage was uh, Willie sitting down with Trigger singing. Uh, going into his two old amps, which I'm not sure what they are. I got to see him like stand right in front of him and look at him, and I don't know what they are. Yeah, yeah. Uh, upright bass player, a snare drum, like no kick, no hat, no no cymbals, no toms, just a snare drum and brushes the whole time, just playing training beats. Uh, and then the 
most badass harmonica player I've ever heard or seen in my life. And uh, it was perfect. I mean, it was absolutely perfect. There was, great. there was nothing missing, and you didn't want to hear anything else that was coming off that stage. I mean, it was so dialed in. Oh, and then uh, Willie's son uh, was playing with him. Not Lucas Nelson, but um, – oh, God. I'm so sorry. I can't remember his name. Uh, fine. Price, I think. Anyways. The other and, one. <laughs> yeah, and he was playing like a, a Taylor GS Mini, just like the $500 Taylor and singing with his dad. Hey. And it well, sounded great. That's awesome. That's that's great. I, yeah, I, I've I've read many articles about Willie's acoustic because uh, Trigger has a really specific pickup and a really specific amp setup. Yeah, and he's used it since he installed the pickup into his uh, whatever that classical model Martin is that Trigger is. There's a really great video on Stumac's channel from a few years ago where Dan Earlywine is actually working on Trigger. Yeah, um, and I wanted to. I wanted to get video of it. I asked their production manager and I was like, Hey, is there any way I could just, I don't want to play it. I don't want to touch it. I just want to see it. I mean, cause arguably that's one of the most famous guitars of all time. Yeah. undoubtedly. I mean, that, that's up there with Gilmore's strat. That's up there with, you know, Jimmy's stra- uh, strat, you know? Yeah. But unfortunately they were like, their guitar tech was out and he didn't feel comfortable having anyone be around it when the tech wasn't there. So, well, yeah, I mean, to be fair, that guitar, if you breathed on it wrong, <laughs> you might put another <laughs> hole in it. Yeah. It's incredible that it's still held together, but it's, I know Dan uh, from, from Stumac has done a lot of work on that thing over the years. And so who, uh, who knows how many other people have. Well, and when you braces. see the way that Willie plays it, like he just bangs on it, com- yeah. like completely out of time. You know, it was really funny actually to see it live because, you know, the band is in time and Willie would just like, change chords two beats ahead of and then the band would just catch up with him he's he's just he's doing his own thing man he's the band in the rhythm section are laying down the foundation and then willie's just kind of floating around on top doing whatever the hell he wants and it's super cool he's an icon he can do what he wants yeah he can do whatever the hell he wants well anything else happen um good bad well actually since we've podcasted last my studio made a huge, huge step forward. Yes, right? it we did. haven't talked about this yet, have we? No. Yeah. So for a week, I uh, I was down in the in the basement running a, a framing nailer and a, a miter saw with a wonderful crew of guys. Full measure construction from uh, Crofton, Kentucky. They came down and and helped me out with all of the uh, the structural work, which was a huge job. I mean, those guys absolutely saved my ass. There's no way. There's no way. Uh, I we could have installed that LVL uh, that that it just was crazy. So um, basically, we have all of the framing work done. We have all of the structural work done down there, and we're ready for electrical and low voltage, which is a huge step forward. Yeah, well, that's awesome. That's so, great. Big win. Well, sweet. Yeah, I saw the video that the eye beam. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> yeah, the shirtless meth head named Noodle was who came and ran. The, let, let me tell you something. As so the full measure construction guys, Shane Whitty and his crew were unbelievable. They were phenomenal. Just did absolute th- crazy work, and and they busted their asses down there. Uh, the steel beam crew, which was a separate crew, uh, were the polar opposite of that in every way, <laughs> shape, and form. I watched them almost drop. That that steel beam is twelve hundred pounds. 
They almost dropped it three times that I saw. Um, and the dude who apparently was leading the crew, like just showed, didn't have a shirt. Like, I think he showed up to work without a shirt on and, uh, was, was tweaking. Like the whole time his mouth was like, just doing this the whole time. And it was like, man, <laughs> and his name was noodle. And, uh, and now they got it in where you live, <laughs> dude, they got it in, but it was one of the more stressful things I've ever experienced. So man, there will well, be a video well, coming on all that at some point. Well, that's very exciting. That's very exciting. <laughs> what about you? What's new? What's going on? Well, you know what? There is an end to a saga here sitting beside me. <laughs> oh, yeah. There it is. It looks way better in the black head shell. Doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, so the Dr. ZKT45 is is back to life. So I don't know. In this, in, in the tale of, of the uh, failed Craigslist deal... Did I mention the head shell and me and killing it after I put it in here? Um, you mentioned getting a new head shell for it, but okay. So I don't know if I if I I think I told the story. So I got the head shell from Doctor Z, put it all back together. I had to remove everything because they luckily had one faceplate left. Because how Doctor Z's heads and cabs are, their cabs they mount, you know with the tubes hanging down and the heads right. have the tubes going up. So the faceplate is, is, you know, inverted. And, um, they sent me, they had one, luckily an old one and I got it all put together and then I put it together and it didn't work. And then I ruined a tube socket. <laughs> yep. And so I, it sat in the shop, uh, for weeks and I talked to the guys at Heim amplification in Nashville, H I M E. And uh, they have a little shop just a, I don't know, 10 minutes away from, from our shop. Took it over there. Uh, he said, oh, you're just in for some dental work. And he took a dental pick and fixed the tube socket while we were just talking about what was wrong with the amp, which was really cool. And uh, I think his name's Nick. And then uh, he had it for a week and a half and called me. He's like, oh, your, your 12AX7 in, in the preamp was dead. And that was it. That was and the whole so, problem. That was it. So I guess it goes to show you a check. I mean, I ruined a tube socket, so I couldn't have <laughs> really tested it. But check your tubes first, kids. But the amp is is got a clean bill of health, and it sounds awesome. It is The KT45 is kind of like an AC30 meets a JTM45. It's mm-hmm. got an EF86 preamp. Uh, it's bright, but cuts in, in, a, in a pleasant way and is loud. Holy hell, it's loud. But through my, my PRS cab with the creambacks, Sounds really good. So Sounds like my kind of amplifier. I think you would really like it, actually. Um, and, and uh, like, it, it's pretty low noise now that it's all cleaned up. Uh, and it's heavy. <laughs> but, but yeah, I'm, I'm happy to get that. Hello. Whoa, hello. Look out. I know. I feel like He's my, back. My brightness is all messed up. But um, happy to have that back. And then I sold all the pickups. They, they went really quick, and that was great. Uh, thanks in part to, to your video about trouble bleeds. Uh, I, I didn't expect that video to do what it, what it did. Uh, yeah, it's doing, I saw it's like a 190. Yeah, thing. it's, yeah, which is cool. I mean, yeah. like for a video of super niche nerdy video about modding a guitar, you know, like that's, I'll take that any day of the week. Sure. But, uh, yeah, just, we cranked out hundreds of Seuss Mary Osip and now it's like, we're kind of back to just normality and, uh which is, is good for everyone's mental health, but yep. yep. yeah. Nice. 
Uh, all right, you wanna you wanna dip a rig here? I, have I got a rig for you, Red? Oh, sh- pow! Whoa. <laughs> so whoa, this is from our man Frank. He says he's addicted to the podcast, which is great. Hey, um, he's starting from the beginning and try. Oh, he started from the beginning. Has listened to all the podcasts, and this is his his rig. And he, we can be brutally honest. He's a beginner. He's been playing for about a year or so. He's found a passion for for DIY and guitar repair. I was going to ask. <laughs> so he, he sent all of his his guitars and images, but I, I thought I'd just kind of share this one. So what we've got is a Fender ST54, which I think is a Japanese reissue sort of thing. Uh-huh. I'm not entirely sure. Uh, it's got a little, little flamey neck. Yeah, look at uh, that neck. My God. The amp is a hand-built Champ clone. The cab is a hand-built cab with a Jensen P8R, and his pedal is one of the little AliExpress uh, <laughs> or the Wish clones, yeah. clones rather that uh, we see pop up a lot. But um, he, he the, the amp's pretty clean; his works pretty good, and he's got this thing thrown together. and And I thought, hey, this is this is something cool that we can definitely chat about because, I mean, we've all. Well, I mean, we haven't all gone this route in our career, but we all started somewhere. And this is, I think, a great start. So let's talk about it. So that guitar looks cool. First of all, the neck is insane. I mean, that, that, that's, uh, you know, I'm not one for flame, flame maple at all, but I mean, it looks great on that guitar. I also really love maple fretboards on strats. Um, Yeah. I think it's the way to go. I mean, I, I do also love, love rosewood, but that Shabbat links that I got a couple, couple weeks ago. Has the maple board and I love it. So um, also, I like the finish on that strat. It looks like one of the Ingve strats, like the seventies. Um, it's like that, like off white kind of yellowish ivory sort of color. At least that's yeah. what it looks like on the. Oops. Oh no! Sorry. <laughs> Absolutely. Trying to do up. trying to do things in the Discord. I'm. Oh yeah, yeah. I see. There you here. go. Um, and then single ply white guard, and then uh, gold hardware, which is an interesting choice. A, is that gold I, or am I? It is gold. I don't know if it's supposed to be because, like, on I just posted a photo in the Discord, uh, and it, it's a it's a transparent finish. Um, transparent. So it's, oh, it yeah. is. Uh, so you can see the grain, gold hardware. It's kind of got like a pseudo Mary Kay vibe yeah. going, but definitely not Mary Kay uh, body color for sure. No, the body color is not right for Mary Kay, but it's still it's still cool. It's like that parchment, ivory sort of thing. Yeah, it looks like the kind of like a banana pudding almost. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, with the with the with the white plastics on there, it's like the whipped cream on top of the banana pudding. Yeah, that's it, baby. Mm. Uh, hell I'm yeah, starving. Man. <laughs> yeah, man. And then the maple guards, like the vanilla wafers in the in the pudding. <sighs> yeah. Stop, dude. I'm so hungry. <laughs> I like banana pudding without banana pieces in it. Like to me, the the chunks of banana is the worst part of banana pudding. I think they have to be like super thin, like where you, yeah. you, they're in. Like imperceptible, right? I'm and right. Then you I get don't those like vanilla the vanilla wafers at the bottom. <sighs> I my uh, sidebar. My grandmother won Betty Crocker c- cooking competitions uh, when <laughs> okay. in this, like in like the fifties, cool, uh, and sixties. And her banana pudding, it had bananas in it, but the way she baked it, everything just melted. Oh my god, it was so. I'm, Dude, my grandmother, go my my entire life, she's made these chocolate cakes, and I think at their peak, they were. 19 or 20 layers they're like 
these oh, multi-layered chocolate cakes. She's backed up a little bit now. She's she's let off the gas and she's like at fourteen or fifteen layers. But um, I'm not joking. Like they're they're it, it was like a family tradition every Thanksgiving to count the layers, see how many she squeezed in there. Damascus cake. <laughs> it did. It's exactly what it looks like. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. Anyway. God. What were we talking about? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, so the guitar is cool. I dig it. Yeah, it's nice. It's great. I love the DIY amp setup. So I'm Very assuming, cool. did he make the cabinet in the head shell himself? It looks like it. I, I It appears so. Uh, he said he, he DIY'd the cab, um, which is great. I think if we talk about the cab for a second, I think the cab's funny because going through the trouble of making a cab that large but then putting an 8-inch speaker in it yeah. is, is an odd choice. <laughs> yeah, I, I would, I'd like to see a 12 in there personally. Um, but the good ten. news is... Uh, yeah, I mean, an eight is you're really l- missing a lot of low end and low mid from that mm-hmm. that speaker. Um, I bet it sounds like this, basically, <laughs> right? Uh, um, but the good news is, since he made the cabinet, I'm sure it would not be that difficult for him to sweat, uh, switch that baffle board out or even just route it out for a 12 and throw a 12 in there. Hell, yeah. make it a 15. Yeah, I mean, that cabinet's big enough. Yeah, that'd be that'd be sick. Make it like a low what pro. Yeah, and also, like, I don't know shit about uh, uh, furniture construction, joinery, but to me, that looks pretty well built. Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty sharp. I'm, yeah. uh, uh, color me impressed. Color me impressed. Maybe some grill cloth would be nice on that, too. Yeah, I think that's one thing that when you see, like, a handmade cab, uh, you, you see people use really nice wood, but very often there's no grill cloth. Yeah. But having tried to re-grill cloth things, it's really hard to understand why people don't want to do it. Yeah, so. but Frank seems like a pretty handy dude, so yeah. <laughs> I feel like he could figure that out and would probably probably take the challenge. I, I almost feel like an oxblood grill cloth would look nice on that. If you have the yeah. natural wood finish, like a dark, some kind of dark grill cloth on that would be super nice. Yeah, yeah, that Maybe would look black. great. Yeah. Uh, and then what was the amp again? A champ clone? It, it's like a champ, and... Uh, so I uploaded a photo to Discord of the of the guts, and it's built on a little turret board. Pretty clean work. Uh, routing's not bad. Uh, you know, I, I'm not entirely sure how everything's you know totally routed, but he's he's strapped uh, you know some of the the wires to the this the the pot switch together nicely, and it's it looks great. Um, I love that it's hinged too. Right, just crack I, it open. It looks like one of those, uh, like just you can buy like wooden project boxes on Amazon. Right. Uh, McKinley wants to build one into one of those horror movie sound effect boxes. Oh yeah. <laughs> and so periodically yeah, yeah. we go rummage through Novo's uh, the, their dumpster because they just you know like they'll have little spare bits of rosewood or you know parts of a body that are cut off and we're like we can cut this off and make like things for your box. <laughs> We actually have some good questions in the Discord chat here. What's the function? Dan Danimal the Animal is asking, what's the function Uh-oh. of the mesh on other cabinets? I don't know. Uh, so other part of it is aesthetic, right? Having grill cloth in front of your, your speakers yeah. is an aesthetic choice. But uh, depending on the type of grill cloth, it does have an effect on the sound, primarily the high-end frequencies. Um mm-hmm. And that's a thing with Marshalls, for example, like 412 cabs, like a basket weave grill cloth has a different high-end response than 
some of the more uh, like the tighter woven grill cloths and things like that. So you can actually tell a difference putting just a, a sheet of grill cloth in front of a speaker, but primarily in the high end response. Yeah. So. But it's mainly uh, an aesthetic thing. Yeah, it's mainly an aesthetic thing. So, and then the the wish.com clon. I mean, <laughs> what, what more can you ask for? Does it sound like a clon? Who knows? Does no, I, it? Well, you know what? I I years ago I bought one of those as a kit on eBay. You could buy like the whole thing as in kit form. Yep. And all the resistors came on tape, and they had tiny little pencil writing of what the value of every resistor was. And I made one, and I I, I use like good diodes and uh i think i use different pots and it sounded fine sounded absolutely fine the switch was crap the pots were crap the jacks were crap but it was it was a serviceable clone um so you know i don't know i think they're fine i wish they wouldn't put the actual clone art on it but apart from right. that right uh, they sound good yeah i mean if it's if it gets you in the ballpark um you know how how much are they? What do they retail for? Oh, nothing. Like fifteen bucks, twenty bucks, something like that. I'm just gonna get on eBay. I've I've never even like been on Wish.com. Like I don't I don't know what that stuff costs. Oh, d- nothing. It costs more to ship that stuff. Uh, here's a kit for eighty five dollars, eighty nine dollars. They're usually around a hundred bucks. They're not. Talking. Yeah, uh, they're the not boys much. To keep it down. We're we're oh, Devin. Here. Devin's so loud. Devin, dude, <laughs> put me uh, on speaker. But they're 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 cheap. Hundred bucks. You know, not much. Man. Okay. So overall, I really dig. I dig this setup a lot. I really like the DIY factor of it. Um, it there's some things that that could be changed. Could be uh, you know, I think added onto. I think adding some grill cloth and swapping out to a larger speaker is well, maybe not even the grill cloth thing, but primarily the bigger speaker. I think is is a definite like you should do that. And what you could do is just keep that baffle board and keep that speaker attached to that baffle board and make a second back baffle board uh, for the bigger speaker. And then if you want to, you could you know swap them out per your uh, at your own leisure. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that'd be a great great mod. Uh, he said he doesn't want to quite go down the the pedal rabbit hole yet, which I can appreciate. I can appreciate that. But you get a reverb and a or a delay on uh-huh. this, and you're you're going to be set for a long time. Yeah. Uh, especially if you get that bigger speaker, because that's just going to let that champ breathe a whole lot more. I I actually agree on the pedal rabbit hole thing, especially as a beginner. He said he's been playing for what like a year, something like that. Yeah. So. I think yeah, you're you're probably good with just a super simple setup. You know, maybe your next pedal should be some kind of reverb or delay. I agree, because um, that'll open you up, and then it, it you can start to do more stuff. You can uh, play different parts. You can learn about time based effects and how to use them and how to play off of them. I think that's an important thing. And then from there, you could go down the modulation or the fuzz route or whatever. But um, man, overall. I like this. Things I would change. Larger speaker in the cab. Um, maybe a humbucker guitar. And yeah, I don't let me double check. On, what are those, he's got what? he's got a variety of other things. Looks like he's got he's got he's got an Epiphone Gothic in his rack oh, of, hell yeah. <laughs> of guitars back there. Uh, but the yeah, it wasn't included in that main picture. <laughs> All right. Well, you know what? 
8.3 shoals. I dig it. I yeah. like the DIY factor. It's cool. It's unique. And uh, I'm here for it. I, I think I think solid eight for for what it is for getting the job done. It looks like there's there's a little Nux amp or something right beside it, yep. which is which is cool. But like if I showed up to to a bar and this was the rig sitting on stage, I'd be like, all right, I'm yeah, cool, curious man. to see what's gonna happen. Yeah, I think on any stage I would have that feeling. Like, yeah, if if I was on an arena gig and I saw this rig, I would be possibly even more intrigued you <laughs> yeah. know no one's gonna hear this guy <laughs> <laughs> well it's got a little bit of that like um oh god what what's what is that thing neil young used to put on top of or oh. still has on top of his 5e3 the, the um, what is that thing called gizmotron yeah the gizmotron i something like that but it has a little bit of that air to it that super diy build it in a box and it works kind of thing Oh, the wizard. That's right. The wizard. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it just gives me that kind of vibe, and I like that. Sweet. Well, yeah, I, I think it's. Uh, I think that's super fun. So nice. You know, we're always we're always ragging on Gibson because <laughs> yeah. even though they did release yet another bass. <laughs> oh, I didn't even see that. Yeah, when, for uh, on, who look. was it, folks? Uh, uh, he hold on Gibson signature bass. Let's see here. They only have like five bases they make, so we can find it on their website pretty you know, quick. I, yeah, Rex Brown, that's who it is. Okay, from Pantera. Okay, so Do they still make the Ripper bass. Uh, no, okay. See, now what, what are they doing before, before we move on to. Uh, hitting on Fender. Let's <laughs> on Gibson for a little bit here. Um, yeah. I'm just kidding. Uh, the Ripper bass, man. Like Ripper and the Grabber. Ripper yeah, where where are grabber. those bases at? Those those are things you could bring back. Now let me just uh, double check to make sure I'm not speaking out of turn here because they I'll are be not honest. on their website. All right. So uh, wait, where even are their bases? <laughs> they, they hide them. They you know. I okay, so I'm on their main page. Electric shop, all electric guitars. No, no, Mesa Boogie. No, <sighs> all right. Anyways, that was my whole point. Bring back the Ripper and the Grabber, those are badass. They're so cool. They're, 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 they're like, I'm just gonna say it. They're a cooler version of the PVT 40. Yes, I think it's a cool bass, but a Grabber. It looks way cooler. I'm sorry, yeah. folks. Yeah, and um, what's his name from the band? Played one. Last Waltz. Uh, mm. oh, Bass God. player for the band. Bass player for the band. Uh, God, I've not been sleeping well recently, and I think it's catching up with me. Anyways, all right, so what's up with Fender? So Fender uh, supposedly, reportedly, have laid off 300-ish employees and not just uh the, the lowly grunts uh but people all across the spectrum uh, of fender have been uh fired <laughs> which is a shame 300 people is a lot i mean i don't yes. know how many people uh fender employs can't be that many rick danko thank you or matt in vegas rick danko mm. played bass for the band uh, and yes he had to look it up that's it <laughs> that's um fine. 
Thank yeah, you. Yeah, so I mean, 300 people out of a company of, let's just say it's a few thousand employees. It has to be. You know? I mean, Fender's big, but they're not that big compared mm-hmm. to, you know, Fortune 500 companies or things like that, you know? So 300 people is a lot, a pretty pretty sizable chunk of the workforce. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's, uh, you know, I'm just curious why, because it seems like, uh, so this 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 broke on guitar.com uh, by YouTuber Dylan McGerchy, Dylan Talks Tone. Yeah, I know uh, Dylan's cl- a nice guy. Cl- claiming a source stated the workers uh, making up the entire afternoon, wait, claiming that the workers making up the entire afternoon shift at Fender's factory in Corona, California were let go. According to his LinkedIn page, uh, Brian... Swordferger, former vice president of research and design at the company, stopped working at Fender in July. So, the the entire afternoon shift was was terminated. So I can corroborate that. I have a source at Fender as well that reached out to me and let me know several days ago that this was happening. Wow! Um, before before it broke. So it's not good. Um, now there's a few reasons I think something like this could be happening, you know, and it's a bit confusing because if you look at how things have been going since the pandemic started, it's, everything has been kind of on the up and up in terms of guitar sales, especially with Fender. I mean, they've been reporting more guitar sales than ever. And, you know, they, they built a whole new factory for the, uh, the, dumbest guitar in the world. The (laughs) The acoustic sonic. Oh, geez. (laughs) Oh, God. So it's like, you know, on one hand, they they seem to be doing incredibly well, but then they're laying off 300 employees. To me, this smells like uh, corporate, this, this smells like a management issue, more like more so like a mismanagement issue. Man. Uh, yeah, it says that Dylan states, I, went, I found the guitar.com article. Why don't you post um, it up in the, uh, the Discord yes. there? Oop. Um, this, uh, this reduces Fender's production capacity by 200 to 250 instruments a day, which is, that's size drastic. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a ton, that's a ton of guitars. So what, I wonder what's going on. Do you, I mean, is it just, you know, the, you know, the, the weight of a recession and everything that's happening, you know, in our, well, we're not really in a recession yet. I mean, I think we're headed for one. And keep in mind, everyone, I'm not an economist, okay? I don't know what the hell I'm talking about when it comes to this shit. But um, I do keep up with it. And it seems to me that, okay, again, to, to further qualify, take my words with a grain of salt. I've never had a real job. I don't work uh, in corporate America. Um, I've never worked at Fender or Gibson or any other major corporation. So this is very much so an outsider's perspective looking in. But it sounds to me like... Um, this is some typical corporate bullshit right here, and some mismanagement. Um, I, I've I've also heard that you know because of the tube shortage, even before the tube shortage, they were having problems in their amp department, keeping up with amp production, and then mm. the tube shortage hit and really cut those numbers down pretty drastically. But now. You know the guitar production being cut down and them cutting 300 employees. I mean, I don't know, man. Well, you know, Casey, 
uh, Harris in the chat mentioned restructure and more automation. I think that's probably true. And then Midtown Brown mentioned, you know, do you think that the guitar boom of the last couple of years is finally dying down? I mean, I, it probably is. I think a lot of people are, are going to, I think, I think we've definitely seen oh, people chill out with, with buying instruments over the past six months. Yeah. I mean, it was inevitable that the guitar boom was going to slow down sooner rather than later. I mean, you know, and with inflation being what it is and gas prices being what they are, things like guitar sales, which for the overwhelming majority of people are leisure purchases, they're they're yeah. nice to have things, not need to have things. And when things tighten up or when we're heading for a recession like we are now, generally that's the first thing to go out of out of people's budgets, right? Because you got to buy gas, you got to buy groceries, you got to pay rent, you got to do all that stuff. Right. So I think, yeah, that is probably what's happening to some degree but i don't know that that can explain 300 layoffs across the board 300 layoffs not just production not just production for stuff i also heard uh i saw a tiktok from uh the get offset podcast last night uh where they were talking about um allegedly having issues where 50 up to 50% of the guitars that are being manufactured at one of the factories are having to are not meeting spec like they're having serious production issues 50% now that was according to the tiktok that i said that i saw you know so that Man. is very you know take that with a grain of salt i can't corroborate that or anything but yeah i i, I can't imagine i mean that's that's huge fallout I mean, that is huge, and as as much pe- as much as people give Gibson for quality control issues, Fender has a lot of quality control issues too. All these major manufacturers do. You can't I mean, escape it. You, know? you just you can't. And uh, but but Fender up until I think now is has kind of gotten away with it, at least in terms of the online perception and what people are saying. You know, because Gibson has just been the punching bag for all of us for so long. Yeah, and, um, and I think. People have, have been more lax on Fender, too, because of the cost, you know, the instrument being you know, an American Strat. I mean, now American Strats or whatever, the you know, the hell they're called now uh, are <laughs> are considerably more. I mean, yeah, they change the name like every three years. They really do. Um, I still call it the American Standard. Yeah, I know. It's, it will always be the American Standard. But the 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 cost of them have, have, have risen, but, you know, in comparison to a Les Paul standard, you know, the golden standard for both brands, fenders are a lot less. And I think people kind of let them skirt by, but. Well, they're a I lot less because they just take way less to make. Totally. I mean, a, a, and that was just, that goes all the way back to Leo. The, like part of the reason he designed those guitars that way was so that they were cheap and easy to make. And Gibson wasn't thinking that when they were designing the Les Paul or the 335. I mean, Oh. You know, Gibson, you, when you go look at their factory, they still have ladies hand scraping binding on all of the USA models that come out. I mean, that Fender's not doing that kind of stuff because they don't yeah, have yeah. to. No. Um, yeah. And I mean, and like Gibson's, you know, slogan was, and I, I don't even know if they still do this now. I don't, I don't know how well it go over, but it used to be only a Gibson is good enough. <laughs> and And I think, you know, during their heyday, um, that was very true. You know, granted, I mean, we've said it so many times, I think Gibson <clears throat> and Fender, uh, have made the best guitars in the past number of years they've ever made. I think um, so. But it, it's just, it's, it's a sad thing. And, and, and ultimately all this is kind of moot because it, it's, it's, 
it's a shame that so many people have lost their 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 source of income. Uh, yeah, know. that's a lot of people. I mean, 300 people, that's a lot of people impacted. There's a lot of people that are going to have to go out and find new jobs, uh, a lot of families impacted. I mean, it's not it's not good. Um, no. And we can sit and talk about the reasoning behind it. Is it just, you know, waning sales? Is it corporate mismanagement? Is it production issues? Is it just greed and cost cutting and trying to, you know, increase the margins and squeeze every last dollar out of the company. I mean, I think that's probably kind of it with, you know, Fender being as big of a corporation as they are. But to me, I think it's just a combination of things. I also think Fender is probably, I think we're going to start to see a bigger push from Fender for more overseas production in the coming years. Uh, A lot more stuff produced in Mexico, a lot more stuff produced overseas in, you know, Indonesia, um, as, as you know, because they can, I think they can kind of get away with it. Yeah. You know, and they've, they've tried that in the past. They had the, the modern player series that had, that, that said Fender on them, but they were basically the same thing as like a classic vibe, right. um, that came out a number of years ago. But I mean, like to, to counter that point, uh, I've seen firsthand the cost, uh, the, the the rising cost of of shipping from overseas, you know, not not only with my own stuff, but with with, with Revolta, um, I think you know they'll probably ramp up more production in contiguous places like like Mexico it would make a lot of sense because the cost of shipping a container it before pre pandemic was multiple thousands of dollars, you know, three to four thousand dollars, which is a lot of money, but now they're thirty thousand dollars yeah for the same container so you know hopefully you would think that they would start to bring some of that in or at least push it to mexico because let's be honest the mexican fenders are are fantastic and they're fantastic yeah they make it they're like an hour away it's yeah yeah dude i mean i i have that ventera tele custom that i've been playing on on these shows recently i had it's my open g guitar yeah and it's it's so good. Now it needs a few upgrades. It needs I need to put new electronics in it. Like the pots suck and the switch sucks. But the pickups sound pretty good. I'll probably swap those as well if I'm honest. But mm-hmm. um seriously though, the Ventera line of stuff. I mean, so I have this idea for a video that I want to do on my channel. And I reached out to Fender about it. And they uh they're willing to do it, but they <laughs> I, they can't get it done for another like five or six months. This is a little inside baseball for everybody here. But like, I want to do something called five levels of like five levels of strat, right? Where mm-hmm. we get the base model squire all the way up to a custom shop strat, and we shoot them out when we like do a in depth review and deep dive and look at you know basically what are the differences between them because there are differences. And who each one of these levels are for. Because even I'm confused by Fender's uh, sort of like their product offering. It's it's pretty confusing. I mean, if you just look at a Stratocaster, how many different ways can you get just a triple single coil Strat? A lot, apparently. <laughs> right. Because like, I mean, like, okay, can we, can we name them? Uh, so there's... There's, there's the affinity. Yeah. Uh, there's. Let's just go to Sweetwater and look real quick. Oh my I'm gonna, god! I'm just gonna look <laughs> at. 
I'm going to look at, all right, so I'm just going to type in Stratocaster. I'm going to go to Squire's website okay. and see. Because Stratocaster guitar. Why, why can you, you can search Squire and it pulls up every Squire guitar <laughs> link, but not their damn website? Oh, who knows? Okay. So right here, I'm looking at American Professional 2, Fender Player, uh, Fender JV Modified 60s. Uh, let's see. American Pro 2, American Pro 2, American Ultra. So we're at four. Uh, these are just Fenders. Um, custom Shop GT11, new old stock. Uh, um, GT11? I don't know what that is. Let's see. I already said player, right? So there's five. Just Oh, American Performer. There's six. Um, now we got Squire Classic Vibe 70s. Squire Affinity. Uh, Fender Player. American Ultra, American Ultra. So I've got eight right here, just in the first, like, Fender Stories collection. Eric Johnson, 54. Ver like, I've never even heard of that. What is the Fender Stories collection? I have no idea. <laughs> uh, let's see. Another custom shop, limited edition. Squire Bullet. They still make the Bullet? Yeah, there's a Squire Bullet Strat HT, 179 bucks on... on uh, on Sweetwater. Oh my so there, gosh. right there, there's 10. There's Mas 10. Master Machete says there's 60 strat models on the Fender site. I don't know if that counts all the colors. Yeah, I think that I think that is because I'm seeing a bunch of like repeats here for colors and things like that. But um, even ooh. if you cut that, I mean, just six different models from Fender would be a lot for one guitar shape. I mean, like it's it, it is very confusing. And and I think that that's gonna be yeah. Unless you grew up really, like, I don't, I don't even know if, if the generation now kind of understands this stuff because you and I, we got our, our musician's friend catalog or uh -huh. the Sweetwater catalog and yep. like that was in our textbook and we were looking at that yep. instead of paying attention. So we, <laughs> we, we, we just read all about these things. Um, I remember going to the local Fender dealer just to get the Fender like annual um, like catalog thing that they printed. Do you remember right. that? And yeah, they yeah, have yeah. all the amps and everything. And oh man, I would take that and I would just like lust over like everything. <laughs> Dan uh, Hughes in the in the Patreon chat says Bullet Affinity Classic Vibe, uh, Made in Mexico Player, Made in Mexico Player Plus, Made in Mexico Ventera, Made in Japan Classic Sixties, Made in Japan Hybrid, Made in Japan Heritage, Made in America Performance, Made in America Professional. Uh, and then you forgot the Ultra. And then we get oh, into yeah. the custom shop stuff. So there's like 12 levels of, of strat. Maybe that should be the video, 12 levels of strat. Um, yeah, and then I'm going to, I think I'm going to give them all away at the end of the video or something like that. So yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot to unpack there. And then we could also do five levels of telly, five levels of jazz master. You know, the offerings are, are almost endless. There really is. I, um, man, yeah, it's, it is it is very confusing. I mean, I think Fender they they make a lot of stuff, and and I I understand I get it because how do you sell the same thing to someone who already owns that thing? Uh huh. You make a different model of it, right? Um, so I get it, but you know, 
I don't know. Because I feel like, you know, for all of Gibson, Gibson's faults, they, their, their line is pretty concise now, which is good. They've cleaned that up. Uh, yeah, they did a good job. I mean, they, they basically came in and they took over from Henry J and the, the dumpster fire that was Gibson. Ouch. And yeah, and they've they've kind of gotten it together. They got the they reworked the factory. They they got the quality control issues, I think, under control, although a lot of people online disagree, but that's you know um that is what it is. And yeah, they've they've done better. Now, I think the issues with Gibson, as we've talked about, are in their marketing, in their outreach, yeah, and doing things like the Gene Simmons base. Like what the hell is that? You know, that's the stuff that Fender has absolutely crushed them on for the last five years, 10 years or so. Um, but it, I think Fender, man, things aren't looking great. And and I, I don't I don't think that we're headed towards a situation where in the next couple of years, Fender is going to be filing Chapter 11 bankruptcy because it's not the same type of problems that led to Gibson filing Chapter 11. Right. They don't own right a bunch of random companies and they're not trying to become a lifestyle brand in the same way that Gibson was. But um, yeah, laying off 300 employees in the middle of saying, you know, how great everything is and how it's, you've never sold more guitars and things are looking up, up, up. And, you know, we're in the black and all this stuff doesn't bode well. No, no, that it, it's weird. So uh, yeah, I, I don't know how something that we could have touched on for a few minutes turned into a 20 minute conversation, but <laughs> <laughs> uh it's just something it's just food for thought and and i think we need to like kind of you know keep our eyes to the horizon and see what's going to happen with all this uh we we did see something happen with with gibson they won uh their suit against dean for uh, the v and the z and yeah. and then there's another one that looks like an sg like any an ugly sg but right um that one it just felt like you know just letting the door hit him on the way out. It's like, we got the V, we got the Z. And you know what? That other one, you can't make that one either. Cause they were probably like, that's fine. Cause we don't sell those. We at don't all. sell those at all. Um, yeah. I mean, I, how do you feel about that? It, like, you know, like part of me is like, I get it. Cause some of them very much are, they are, if you didn't see the headstock and you glanced at it, you'd be like, that's a cool Gibson V. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know, you would have no clue. And, there's on reverb right now. There is a Dean Flying V in Carina with a single P90 dog ear pickup with black plastic, gold hardware, the whole thing. And it looks great. It looks like one of those 20,000 Scala things without all the gaudy art on it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's like 2,300 bucks or something. And it's wicked. So I don't know. I mean, it, that's grounds for a lawsuit. I know, know it is, but you know what's altogether sorry, Addison fucked up is that they <laughs> they stole Dave Mustaine, right? Right. Um, or I mean, Dean has had has had a bevy of their own problems, right? They've had all sorts of stuff going on with owners and and, and money, so like they are they are not free from from shame and shade being thrown, but th- like. Gibson nabbed Dave Mustaine, who'd been playing Dean's forever, and then they release a Dean-looking flying V, <laughs> which it's like, what? Why? I don't... 
get it. I, it doesn't <sighs> compute with me. You know, like I don't I get, get the, it. I don't get the Dave Mustaine thing either. But that that whole again, like that plays in. I made a whole video about this, which is like why why go for and and this is no disrespect to any of these guys, Dave Mustaine, Gene Simmons, whatever. Like that's, but from a business and a marketing perspective, I just don't understand why those are the players you're going for in today's day and age. I mean, I get it. It's like. Yeah, sure. There's a certain amount of your clientele that loves Kiss, right? And they're they're gonna want to buy a Gene Simmons bass. So like maybe maybe you t- tuck that in. Uh, you know, if you've got ten artist releases this year, maybe that's eight or nine or whatever. Yeah. Um, and instead, targeting newer, younger rock bands that are playing Gibson guitars, uh, because there are people out there playing Gibson guitars still. Uh, myself being one of them, and I'm not saying I want a that big rock star here. Hold on, yeah, everybody, no, buckle please. up! Oh, Jesus Christ! Now I'm gonna <laughs> get a bunch of shit for that. That's not what I was trying to say. Swear to God. My point is that it just is like this. It seems like they're just trying to relive the the glory days, like the the high school football player glory days of '80s metal. And yeah. I just don't see the I don't see the the long play there. I don't understand the reasoning behind it other than they just want to do it, which is yeah. fine, but not in the complete and utter absence of reaching out to younger players with more affordable and more attainable models. Like, why are why are they not putting the SG Junior, the USA SG Junior, in the hands of a lot of these badass, you know, young punk bands and indie bands that are coming out of the UK or they're coming out of the Midwest or whatever? Like, yeah. that, that's a cool model, it's relatively affordable, comparatively speaking, uh, to the other models in their lineup. It's got a history with that genre and that style of music. Like, why are we not pushing that? Instead, we're giving Dave Mustaine and Gene Simmons signature instruments. I don't. I don't you know, yeah, I mean, I think, and to be fair, uh, you know, we we're only seeing the signature stuff release. We I don't know what Gibson's doing as far as like their artist relations with those sort of. People, That's it true. You know, it doesn't seem like that those people are front and center when they probably should be. But, you know, it, it, I think d- just talking about Dave Mustaine, John P. on the Discord said, new gear page post, Rhett Scholl hates <laughs> Dave Mustaine. Uh, he didn't say that. I just live um, to give the gear page fodder to <laughs> just keep talk feeding sh- them yeah. feed the machine like i always say if you're making the gear page mad you're doing something right i think but it's funny because i don't know i don't know if you ever went through this i had a huge metallica phase i didn't uh, go through that when i was in high school and um stranger things and like master puppets you know that whole thing just blew up and like yeah you know now, now i'm revisiting all of my high school, the high school records that I love so much, like Ride the Lightning and, and Master of Puppets and, and all the, the Kill Em All. I loved the first like four or five Metallica records, especially those first three. And I feel like that is probably going to be a boon for Gibson to move these shreddery guitars because, you know, that, that BC Rich signature model that they made for like Eddie from yeah. Stranger Things, Fred at the shop got one. And you know what? It rules. And <laughs> like, we're all like ooing and aahing over this thing that, 
five years ago, if we saw it in a pawn shop, we'd say, look at that stupid thing. You know, it's really, it's really weird how, how I, I probably happen. would still say, look at that stupid thing, but that's just, you know, it's not my, not my cup of tea. But you know, it, this is going to, th- that show doing that is going to re is going to introduce a whole new generation to that sort of guitar playing. Oh yeah. Look what it and, did to Kate Bush. I know. It's like, wacky. It, it's crazy. And so, yeah, you're absolutely right. And, but Gibson and Fender and any of these companies, they can't bank on something like that happening. It's the right. same kind of mentality of like a, a corporation trying to make something go viral or banking on something going viral. It, it's you just it's random. It just happens or it doesn't happen. Um, you know, Metallica. Yeah, they're they're seeing a huge boost in streams and merch sales and things like that because of Stranger Things, and that's cool. That's badass. Yeah. I love that. But, you know, um, maybe – I don't know how we got back to shitting on Gibson after this was starting this with Fender. I, I don't think we're to- entirely shitting on Gibson. We're just talking about stuff that's going on in the industry because like some episodes of Dips in Tone, we just – we started recording and we're like, wait, what are we talking about today? <laughs> yeah, so we'll uh, we'll continue to follow this Fender thing. I mean, it, it's, it sucks primarily for the people that got laid off. Yeah. Um, Master Machete in the chat was saying like, "Oh, it's it's just corporate greed." I I do think that is an element. I'm not sure that that's the primary reason. I just think we don't have enough information at this point to really know what's going on, other than you know, it can't be good if they're laying off people. Yeah, who knows? I mean, like I feel like a lot of people jump to conclusions saying like, "Oh, you know, cancel Fender. They had to fire people," but people get fired. Every day, maybe yeah. not on this scale, but you know what? That happens. So yeah, and I will say, in my own, just to kind of wrap this up, in my own experience of of talking to Fender recently in the in the past few months, um, you know, I've I've come across from my perspective, my working relationship with Fender and Gibson have always been great. When you know, I have an idea for something and I need help like this five levels of fender thing right five levels of strat typically in the past it's been great yeah what do you need we'll get it for the video you know we'll handle the giveaway we'll handle the shipping we'll do all that stuff in the past few months with fender it's been much more difficult and they haven't been that forthcoming they've just been kind of like oh well we'll have to wait until the fall we can't uh we don't have these in stock right now we we can't get these right now or whatever and now seeing what's happening it's the whole picture is starting to become a little bit clearer from my yeah. perspective is if they're really having production issues, if they're having quality issues on the floor of their American factories or their MIM factories where up to 50% of the of the instruments being made are not meeting spec, there's some serious some serious issues. Yeah, and I I mean that's that just seems that just seems crazy. I you know, and I'm sure that you know, when you ramp up production, you have all this stuff going on, it's bound to happen. It's an inevitability. You know, we, we have things happen with us that, that all three of us are guilty of. And, and if you multiply that times 100, I can't even begin to yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. like anticipate what, what kind of fallout would, would, would occur. But, but yeah, I mean, I just hope that all these people can, well, these, these, these companies and the, you know, and the employees can, can, can have some, some stability and, and longevity because the last thing that any of us want to see is is uh, these brands that we know, love, and adore really go away. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll keep following it. It's easy to armchair quarterback this stuff, you know, mm-hmm. and, and keep in mind what I said earlier. I've never had a, a real job, real nine to five like this, and I've certainly never worked in corporate America or worked in big production. So I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and that's fine. And that's have fine. A, do you have a shill of the week? I do have a shill of the week. I've got a good shill of the week. I do too. I don't know if, if my camera will focus on it because it's small. You should go first. You've got yours right there. I do have it here. Let's see. Okay. Have you seen one of these? Uh, let's see. Yeah, you just uh, you just posted about the. Oh, wait. No, no I don't know. No, no, this, I don't know what that is. This is. This is the King Tone SRV Tone Switch. Wow. Which is kind of like it's got a treble bleed, but it's kind of like a veritone in a way, and it, you have a little rotary. Uh, the rotary switch that you replace one of your tone knobs in your strat with this and you apparently get some notched sort of preset tone settings that that interact with your volume and do the whole thing and i bought this uh i got this from mass street music my homies over there and i was super excited and then when i got home i looked at my saris s and realized oh it only has one tone knob <laughs> you didn't tone, know that about your saris i forgot because uh, like i play it you know, I usually play it unplugged. Just like when 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 Graham's like you know hanging out at the end of the day, I'll just like sit on like our couch upstairs and just like plink around. And I don't know why I thought, oh, this will this will be perfect for that. And then I t- I went home and looked at it and I was like, well, shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, nice. But That's cool. these are really cool. And and um, this honestly was part of the inspiration for my 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 selectable treble bleed. Which is is a it's it's not this. This is like a more like a veritone yeah, right. uh, tone switch. But the, but I released my selectable treble bleed that lets you pick between various resistors and caps to to just have a treble bleed. Which by the way, I posted about it and we sold out of them, which was weird because I thought, eh, maybe like a handful of people Dude, want this. I but. really like the treble bleed in my Les Paul, the one I put in in that video. I. I want one for the bridge too. Well, um, have you tried it with a fuzz yet? Because it does muck with fuzz interaction. I haven't. I haven't. Yeah. But um, no, it's a good point. I mean, how, mm, yeah, I should do that with octave fuzz. Um, yeah, it's it's a funny thing. It's it's like the, there's a caveat on my web page for my selectable thing. Like, hey, you might buy this and not like it. So, uh oh, all shoulders. Oops. All right, let me grab mine. Okay. Uh, I'm, I had one, but I actually just, I'm going to call an audible and change it real quick. Sweet. Yes, the King Tone Switch. So it's uh, produced by Jesse Davey, and it's, uh, it's a really cool thing. Look it up. He has two different kinds. They're really neat. So speaking of fuzz pedals uh, and badass fuzz pedals, uh-huh. Pigtronics ah. Star Eater. Dude, this thing. This thing is awesome. It's really good. It's really good. Um, so I got my hand. You got one too, right? At, at uh, no, they didn't give me one. Uh, I played one, and they were like, "You sound great playing that." And I was like, "Thanks." And then, Thanks. <laughs> and then All right, see ya. <laughs> yeah, look, bye. <laughs> Thanks for like I was playing it and really enjoying it, and like there were a few people like standing around watching, and the guy from from Supro D'Angelico Pictronics was was like, "Yeah, okay, cool, yeah, cool, man." Nice. And then like 
he was like, well, see ya. All right, time's <laughs> up. Get the hell out of here. They were super nice. Uh, no, this is this is a really, really killer fuzz. Uh, you got to switch for silicon or germanium voicing. Uh, mm-hmm. And then you've got a contour switch, which is on uh, a separate foot switch there, so you can engage or disengage it. I also really like, this is kind of a weird detail thing, it's super low profile. Like, it's it's yeah. much thinner than than a typical pedal, like a, what are, what, what are the enclosures called? Like a six? That's a like a 1590B. Yeah, 1590B. Uh, really small, little little compact pedal, but just insane. I also love the colorway on it. Yeah. It looks like a Wildberry Pop-Tart. It, it um, does. It 100%. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, Star Eater Fuzz, it kills. If you want a really great, really musical octave fuzz, check it out. Can you switch the octave on and off, or is it... Um, it- I don't think so, unless there's an internal dip switch that I don't know about. Um, yeah, I, I remember playing it, and it's not, like, everywhere. Like, it doesn't... It's not one, It's not omnipresent, but it is, yeah. like, there, which is cool. I think that's... Anything that makes you actually, like play to the pedal and, and 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 be considerate of how you are you know hitting the strings i think is a really it, it's it's a really important thing about pedals yeah especially yeah, yeah, that yeah. so um and then should we talk about the idris to, to wrap up here it's not necessarily a shill of the week but um we, yeah i guess yeah okay <laughs> all right little little bonus content here so here it is there it is. The, well, uh, there's there's that one. <laughs> there's this one. <laughs> the Idris. I believe they're calling this one the Idris RC, right? Um, Beats the hell out of me. I know yeah. that that is essentially one of one uh, made for for Rhett, Rhett alone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So this the shape will be going into production, um, mm-hmm. but this particular... Uh, pickup layout, the cooter caster setup may or may not be going into production. We're trying to figure it out right now. Um, this thing sounds incredible. Um, I've got an open D right now. This is I took it on the uh, Willie dates cool. and uh, used it on on one song. And the only reason I used it on one song is because this prototype has one sort of glaring issue that we're trying to sort right now, and that is this bridge pickup uh, is incredibly microphonic like it's it's a problem it's so microphonic and i'm not sure if it's the metal plate on top i've never owned one of these um lap steel style bridge pickups before but if you're playing any kind of loud amplifier like i was on stage it just squeals i mean it it's you you have to be turned in a specific way away from the amp and you can't move or it starts to feedback so yeah um yeah, I've, yeah we, I've talked to Dennis about it, and we're we're trying to figure out a solution. Um, I think the pickup just needs to be wax potted. Um, yeah, he he spoke to me about it, and he said, "What could we do?" And you know, or what do you have any thoughts? And I said, "Well, we could like take the bobbin out and then <laughs> pot it and then rewire it." <laughs> I mean, that's probably what needs to happen because at this point, with the bridge pickup like it is, with a small amp in a room, is totally fine. Yeah, but with a big amp on a stage or in a rehearsal space, it's you can't pull the the bridge volume up past like halfway or it just starts to squeal. And it's not mm. a musical feedback. It's like a <laughs> pretty, a mi- pretty harsh. This really bad microphonic. Yeah. yeah th- that, um, I played it. So I'm trying to like gauge what I can really, cause like being next door and, you know, 
being really incredibly close friends with Matthew, I see stuff. I see everything, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and I, I feel like a bit of a, I don't, like the sheriff of the Novo group. I don't mean to be, but it's like, you know, a lot of people will say stuff and they have no idea because they're not here and I am. Right, right. And, uh, you know, so uh, I played it and, and we played it in Matthew's room and we had it cranked up and we're playing with the, the blackout fleece and it sounded awesome. The bridge pickup is very unique. Oh, yeah. But, but I have very little experience with a pass-through pickup as well because for those that can't see, the strings are literally going through the middle of that, like underneath that plate. Yeah, and um, it, it took me a little getting used to it first, but I actually got used to it. I found a hand position to where I can I can play, yeah. uh, like I normally would. Uh, the the tone of this guitar, you're right. The bridge pickup is raunchy. I mean, it's, it, it's super high output. It's it, very it, strident, but in a cool way. Yeah, it's cool. And then the the gold foil in the neck is super hi fi. It's actually a great guitar for ambient sounds like especially mm -hmm. this neck pickup or the middle position because it's so high fidelity and there's so much high end coming from the guitar it works really well with big reverbs or um crazy weird effects and things like that it's a a killer studio guitar i mean mm -hmm. as it stands right now this would you know be one of my go-to studio guitars but i want to be using it live i want it to become my one of my primary guitars and for that to happen we have to figure out the bridge pickup issue um, yeah, well, and, and I like, like I said earlier, you know, the 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 standard model hasn't even been shown yet, um, so the, it's not even like, you know, like for I'm sure they'll sort it out for for your your guitar. Yeah, but for those that are like, you know, I want one of that. You, it may not happen, you know, but there will be a normal Idris release that is going to be more familiar. Uh, I think is a good good way to, yeah. to put it. Yeah, we can't uh, talk about it yet, but it, yeah, it'll be familiar. I think. Yeah, and 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 a lot of people were moaning about the shape and like you know they don't get it or whatever. Like, have you seen Dennis's guitars? Like, you know, <laughs> if you want to go buy another Strat, go buy Strat or Silver Sky or whatever. But it's it's Dennis's touch, and I can say with one hundred percent confidence that. That man and that team are not making any bad instruments. No, uh, so not. like, you know, just just give it time. And, and and I like that you're showing it on this, like with a more direct angle, because a lot of people, at least that had that shared images of it, were like, oh, it looks weird. But you had taken a photo of it laying down. Yeah, it's like they don't okay. understand like, hindsight being twenty twenty. Like I didn't really think about, um, like the first time posting about this guitar that people were gonna run with it on the, the Facebook group or whatever. <laughs> Somebody right. was asking about Reddit. Did I post this on a Reddit? No, I don't, I don't use uh, Reddit, but, um, yeah. So I will say the thing about this guitar shape is seeing it in person is quite a bit different than seeing it on camera or on screen. Yeah. Um, cause I had been looking at drawings and pictures that Dennis was sending me the whole time we were working on this thing, which was seven months. And, I had an idea of what I thought it would look like. And then when I pulled it out of its case, when it showed up, it was like, oh, this is different. This is way different. And I actually like it more in person. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's a great looking guitar. The proportions are right, uh, especially on me because I'm a taller guy. I'm a taller player. And this is a big guitar. That's part of what I like about Novos is they're big. Yeah. Um, and so 
Yeah, I love it. I feel incredibly uh, fortunate and lucky to have it. I would like to at least do a, a short run of these. I think it's really cool. It's really unique. Um, you know, I don't. I think it's probably too unique to become like a standard model in their lineup. I don't think a lot of people are looking for this kind of guitar. Um, right. But I think there's there's a handful of people out there that would appreciate something like this. So. Yeah, and like you know, you see, I've seen a lot of. I saw it. Well, not a lot. I saw a few people saying, "Oh, it's a water slide." Well, like a water slide is just a cooter caster with yeah. a Stratocaster with that on it. Like, like no, it's not. It's yeah. nothing like. I mean, like, sure, it has a pickup configuration and a torque guard, but like, I don't know. Like people, like yeah. let's all just like chill out. Well, and just we have enjoy to keep in mind we're talking stuff. about people on the internet. <laughs> I know, and, and hey, we love you, but. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> hey, y'all are great. You're great. We love you. Appreciate the support, but please shut the hell up. <laughs> Man. Yeah, on the last, like, we, I guess we get in with this on the last episode. We had mentioned something about Black Panel and that discussion. And there's oh, did a few we get people- any sh- from that? Yeah, we did. And, and, and I did the thing that you had recommended to me a while ago. Instead of deleting it and causing a stink, I just hid you. So yeah. if you're if you're running your mouth on there, you just keep on running, and guess what? No one's gonna see it. So yeah, yep. That's yeah. You'll get shadow banned. It happens, you know. That's right. And you you might not know, which is great, you know, because yeah. they that way those those sad angry little people they can get their jollyment out by leaving their comment and think that they did something. But the good news is that you or I or nobody else will ever see it or know that it exists, and that's how it should be. Yeah, because at the end of the day, if we have differences of opinion, who cares? You know, it's like, I don't know. Yeah, but that's that's like beyond a difference of opinion thing. Like a difference of opinion is like, well, I like P90s, but I like the whole humbucker. No, you're right. You're right. Uh, I guess, I guess, okay, here, no, 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 strike that. What I have to say is uh, what my mom said and what every mother said, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. How about that? There you go. Yeah. You know what? I think a lot of people on the internet could could benefit from that lesson. Right. Yeah, that. And then if you did say something mean, you do what my mom did and smack me in the back of the head. <laughs> <That's> like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. All Some right. people were just raised without manners, you know. That's the problem. Or, or smacks to the back of the head. Yeah, or yeah, exactly. All uh, right. Well, there you go. I think uh, we've pissed enough people off for this episode. So finally. Don't Finally. forget to subscribe. Yeah, it's not a dipped in tone episode if at least ten percent of our listeners aren't just angry at us for some reason. So that's fine. Or or a company or or somebody. So there you go. All right, everybody. We'll see y'all. Bye.